Hi, this is Adam Carroll, host of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. In speaking and traveling all over the world, I meet some of the most interesting people. When I meet someone who embodies what it means to me to be the architect of their own life, I invite them to be on the show. The interview you're about to hear is one of these people. Someone who's choosing life over lifestyle, pursuing more of what they love to do and less of what they have to do. The blueprint to get you doing more of what you love is available for download at buildabiggerlife.com. Now, on to the interview. Hey, Life Architects, it's Adam Carroll here with another episode of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. Wow, thanks so much for taking the time to spend time with me, to let me in your ears. It is a true honor to have listeners out there who are passionate about the same messaging that I'm bringing to you. And today's message is somewhat unique to the show, though it shouldn't be. If you're going to build a bigger life, obviously giving ought to be part of that. Um, I heard a speaker one time say that we were not put on this earth to be employed. We were put on this earth to be deployed. And my guest today, his deployment was very clear, and it is to help people in their giving. The guest on the show today is David Orth. David is the owner of a consulting company who specializes in nonprofit fundraising. He's been involved in relationship building, event planning, and fundraising with a number of organizations, including Iowa State University Alumni Association, the United Way, uh, Special Olympics, and um, Collegiate United Methodist Church, which is also in Ames, Iowa. His current area of expertise includes annual giving, major gifts, and planned giving. What you'll notice throughout our discussion um, was kind of my aha moments talking to David about giving, um, specifically around how do you plan your gifts throughout the year? Are you tithing regularly at church? Are you giving to certain groups that you hold dear? Uh, whatever it is, you may get some new ideas from David today. And I think it, it was incredibly enlightening for me and prompted a whole nother discussion at home with my wife and kids. Uh, David is a Christian. He's a proud husband of one and a father of two. He's the, a fan of the Cyclones, uh, go clones at Iowa State, the Twins, the Vikings, and he is a golfer, both golf ball and disc golf. And he also is prone to run a bit. Uh, enjoy the interview with David Orth. I know you will. I did myself. Here's David. David Orth, welcome to the Build a Bigger Life podcast. Hey, Adam. Great to talk to you today. So nice to have you. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a show that I'm really, uh, I'm feeling very strongly about for my listeners' sake because when I've gone out and I've spoken in public and I talk about money management and how to build a bigger life, one of the questions that inevitably comes up is what about giving? What about charity and contribution? And you are an expert in this, so we're going to dive into that during the show. Um, but you know, the first question I always ask is, what do you love about your life right now? My, uh, my quick, easy answer is, uh, is actually my wife. Uh, we've been married for just over 25 years, and I just feel like right now our lives, I don't, I don't know why, but our lives just, our relationship is just better probably than it's ever been, which is really exciting. That, that's a short answer, but it's an honest answer. The the, the other answer, the, the build a bigger life uh, answer is that right now I get to, every day I get to get up and make a difference, hopefully a positive difference in other people's lives through through my work and through my volunteer. Um, and I've got, I have flexibility since I own my own business. 
So it's that opportunity to make a positive difference for other people, which in turn, of course, comes right back to making a positive, positive difference in my life as well. I love it. I love both those answers. And I do have a follow-up question. Are there kids out of the house now? <laughs> they are not. Actually, I have two teenagers. I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. Oh, my so. gosh. So I think maybe your next book, you could write a book about how to have a winning 25-year marriage, love your wife, you know, indefinitely, and still have teenagers in the house. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, let's go back to, to sort of the beginning. How did you get into this work of, of helping people do planned giving? Your company is called Spirited Giving. Right. Um, so I initially started out really in the friend raising business as opposed to the fundraising business. I worked for the Alumni Association at Iowa State University. Mm, okay. Traveled all over the country representing Iowa State um, to alums that were that lived everywhere. And so we, we never had to ask for money, um, but it was an opportunity to get people re-involved or stay involved with Iowa State University. So I did that for seven years and then uh, made a career change. I went to Special Olympics, Iowa. Mm, and, cool. uh, and I actually was uh, an individual giving fundraiser there. Spent seven years there doing events, um, some major gift stuff, a little bit of planned giving stuff. And then in 2012, my kids that we already mentioned uh, were getting old enough that, that I was paying a nanny basically to read a book on the couch because we only needed her for moving them around. Yes. So my wife and I talked about the idea of me starting my own uh, business that I could work out of my home and... Then and that way I could I could be here when the kids needed you know to, to move around or if they happen to have a sick day or, or weather like we've had in Iowa the last couple of days right um, so I started spirited giving in 2012 just kind of hung hung my shingle out at that point and have really kind of as stayed pretty local at this point just trying to help out the local organizations I fully expect Adam that in another four years or so when my daughter goes to college that I will go back to working actually more full time. Hmm. It's kind of how I got to where I am right now. Yeah, very cool. So this question about how do you do giving? You know, I, I think in the grand scheme of building a bigger life, giving back is very, very important. Um, it has been for me. A number of people have sort of drilled that into my head that you give your time, your talent, and your treasure back to the organizations that are that are near and dear to your heart. Um, for those that are planning out their bigger life, what sort of advice do you give to them, David, in terms of doing giving of any kind, time, talent, or treasure? My, uh, my very first thing, Adam, would be to say to just start, right? Just like, uh, like many of the people that you talk about with, uh, with starting their own businesses or whatever. Um, I, know many, I know many folks look at their bottom line budgets and they're, they're paying off their bills and things like that. And they think, you know, there's just, just no way that I could give away money because I'm, you know, paying interest on my credit cards and blah, blah, blah. If you wait for, as with many things, if you wait for exactly the right time to do it, I don't know that you would ever give any money or give any money to pay, right? So I encourage people to, to just to get started. And, uh, and I'm, I can talk throughout the thing a little bit more about I'm not talking about giving five dollars necessarily, but you don't have to be at you don't have to have a hundred thousand dollars to give. So my very first tenet would be get started, and a good way to do that is maybe give a modest donation, modest annual donation to start with, but then maybe also volunteer with the organization. You can mm -hmm. give, as you meant, as we talked earlier, the time, talent, treasure—all those things are important. 
And if, if someone is, uh, you know, wanting to donate to a number of different organizations, how do you determine which ones to donate to and which ones not? What it, and I hate to say that, you know, we're going to parcel out some of the nonprofits that, that, that aren't, I don't want to say worthy, but how do you determine that something is worth your investment? That's a, that's a great question because, as you said, people often feel guilty about how like, I want to support everybody, right? But, but we're going to talk today about the fact that probably that's not the best use of your, of your dollars. Um, there's about, as a proxy, it depends on who you ask, but there's about 1.5 million charities in the United States today. So there's all your choices, right? You can't wow. give to all of those unless you have a heck of a lot of money, right? Amazing. So what I encourage people to do in in my seminar is is again something that a lot of that you talk about a lot, and that is determine what your values are, right? Mm-hmm. Get that first, and then say how do those values translate to what charities might be doing? So if one of your values say is education, right? Do you give to a reading program or to your university or something like that, mm-hmm. or your values are maybe family, and you have somebody that has uh, has cancer, so you want to you want to help with uh, with curing cancer. There's, there's, there are there, so so start there. Don't just randomly give money. And um, and a, a guy that says network as you are, and, and many of your of your uh, listeners, there are lots and lots of people that will also say, well, can you help my charity? And that's especially hard, right? Because you, but but really narrow it down. Um, so there's a statistic that it costs about $15 for the charity, to, and I'm holding up my quote fingers, to keep you on the rolls, hmm. right? By the time they send you an annual solicitation every year, hopefully they're doing their work and they send you a thank you note. All that stuff obviously costs money. So realistically, this is hard for people to hear sometimes, but realistically, if you give $20 to a charity, they're just barely breaking even. Wow. <laughs> so, so what I encourage people to do is, again, look at your values and then find charities that match up with those. And I really think if you're talking about significant donations, you should narrow it down to really three to five charities that hmm. you're going to support. Okay? Because if you give $100 to each of those charities... That goes along a lot. Long, that's that's three hundred dollars, right? If you give ten dollars to thirty charities, you you spread the wealth, but but in honesty, you you really um, you actually hurt those charities if they're doing their work properly and, and following up and stewarding. So, people sometimes say to me when they hear this, "Are charities mad at you when you say these things?" No, because honestly, again, if you're giving them ten bucks and it costs them fifteen to keep you on the rolls. That's not a win. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's being helped by that, right? This may seem like an odd question, but is there no um, transparency in, or, or let me put this a different way. Are there charities out there who are transparent in that kind of information? You know, like, hey, we, we appreciate the donations over the past years, but realistically it costs us $15 a year to have you on this. If we, you know, we would we would rather you donate your money to a charity where, where more of it is going to go than, than $20 a year or what have you. As you can imagine, that, that's not something generally that charities say. Now, I will say, Adam, that if, if you've given $20 a year for 5, 10, 20 years, that's actually a different scenario. Okay. Because, and again, 
got to give at least 20. But if you do that, those are some of the folks that are most likely actually to give a planned gift. Mm. Have interest in so charities are are not going to cut you off. The, the the hard ones are the the one the, the donations you make really that are kind of the one time, right? So some some one of your buddies says, "Hey, I'm doing this bike ride," and so yep. you you go online and you pay the money, and then for the next however long it happens, you you get the solicitations from that group. Sure. The problem they, most people don't have enough time to sort through all those and say, well, now, is this guy going to be the $20? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard business to be in because you don't want to say to the wrong person, uh, we don't want your money. Right, right, right. <laughs> so to answer your question, I don't, I don't know that transparency is the right word, but I don't know that charities necessarily go to that. When I worked for Special Olympics, we would look, and if we'd gotten a donation from somebody and hadn't gotten something for five years, they dropped off of our list. So hmm. it's part of that's on the charity to just, I mean, you can't just blindly send that out. Now there are national charities that, you know, they send hundreds of thousands of letters. At Special Olympics, we were sending 500. So that's different. But. Sure. Sure. Um, what, what else do we need to know? You had some interesting questions pre-interview that you had already pr- planned. What, what can you tell my audience? Yeah, so the very first thing would be that it would be really sitting down with your values and coming up with three to five charities that you want to support. Um, you talk a lot about budgeting on, on your show, and I and that's part of it, right? you got to budget money to give to charities. So let's say you have $1,000 and you decide there are five charities. Well, obviously, you could give 200 to each one. If When you do budget... Uh, for your charity money, which I strongly suggest, I, there's a, so you've got your main charities that we just talked about. I would keep a little fun for that random ask from your buddy. Again, it's kind of a one-off that you, that you want to do because if you take that money out of the $1,000, say it's $1,000, you take sure. $100 out, well, that's $100. It doesn't go to those charities that you very carefully have said, I'm going to do this, right? Right. So, um, so, and, and the other thing that I don't do, and you can put a little, make a little fund or whatever in your charities, is I don't consider giving money to like the Boy Scouts when they come for their with their caramel corn or the local little league team. Those those things you can give ten dollars to or fifteen dollars, and you don't need to feel bad about that because they're not adding you to the list. To, you know, the, the neighbor kid may come back until he grows up, but they're not. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he has every year. <laughs> and I'm raising some of those neighbor kids. So I hope my neighbors are listening when my kids come sell them stuff. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be the second thing is to make sure that you budget uh, budget your donations. Yep. The third, the third thing that I like to talk about then is the best way to support a charity. Mm-hmm. Without getting into um, long term, you know, uh, transferring stocks and stuff like that. I'm really talking about cash transactions at this point. Um, again, send one large annual donation as opposed to um, one every month. Now, I, I quickly say that, but monthly, month, there's nothing wrong with monthly if you're set up on a plan so that they don't have to send you a letter every time. Sure. Right. But other than that, you should just try and make one donation a year. That allows them to give you a thank you. They should still follow up with things, but they don't shouldn't continue to send you solicitations and stuff like that. Sure. The absolute best way to give to charities is to write a check or do an online um, donation. If you do credit card, you know we can go online and do a lot of stuff now. That that um, often incurs a three point five percent 
fee that the charity has to pay. To the now, charity, charities right. Are getting smarter about that, and oftentimes when we give online, it will say, "Thank you for donating a hundred dollars. Just so you know, three dollars and fifty cents of this will go to. And would you like to pay it?" Well, that so that again online that and and you know check that box if you want to if you want to pay on your credit card um, or debit card or whatever. But the but the best way to give money is indeed just to write a check or to, to give them cash. Um, and if you go, um, like if you go through a fundraiser, they're going to take a percentage, right? So that that's not a good thing. Credit cards, we already talked about the fees. Um, if a charity that you love calls you, um, just it's better to say no because the telemarketing firm is going to get a cut of that. Um, and, and so if you, if you Interesting. want get the most bang for your buck, send a check directly to the charity. Interesting. Now, does that does that apply when my alma mater calls me and is asking for the, you know, the annual donation? I would assume that that development person's getting some, you know, some commission on money donated. Is that right? Um, yes and no. They've got a. They have a bank of, of generally students, right? Don't the students call you? They every, do. Yes. Hey, yes. Hey, do you remember your time at Northern Iowa? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, so no, if they're calling directly from that, but but again, if somebody calls, I keep using Special Olympics because it's my example, but if somebody calls representing Special Olympics Iowa, it's actually the national organization. It is, okay. And then for somebody like um, American Heart Association or uh, American, you know, there's a lot of cancer research yep. groups out there. They're probably hiring a telemarketing firm to do some of that. Yeah, that would be... Uh, I, I can't say that in every single case, but generally, yes, that's true. Yeah. So one of the things that this leads me to ask is, given that there's a fair amount of telemarketing out there for donations and that people are getting compensated to do that kind of marketing work or development work, I should say, um, would you recommend that it's best to determine if charitable giving is important to you, that you're identifying what are those charities you'll donate to so that when you're getting the calls, you can say, I actually plan my giving every year. I appreciate the call, but I'm not interested yes. or wish you the best of luck. Or yeah, right. Uh, that's a great lead in actually to the, to the fourth point um, that I talk about. And, and I call, I call that because it sounds interesting. How can, how can I help the charities I choose not to support? Okay, cool. So in your example, somebody calls, you can just make sure you tell them, A, I'm not interested, but B, take me off your list. That actually helps the charity because again, then they're not continuing to call you. Um, if you start to give away any money at all, then all of a sudden your mailbox is full of solicitations for things that you maybe never thought that you were going to support, right? Yeah, yeah. And that and that happens because there are charities that sell their lists of names. Oh, sure. Okay. So that and, and and there are some. So be careful about that. You can you can also when you talk to a telemarketer say, take me off your list and don't sell my name now if you get a solicitation in the mail that you it's not doesn't make didn't make your list and you say you know what i'm i'm you don't even have to say i'm never going to support this charity but i'm not right now i'm not going to support this charity i know that they're there if i want to support them i'll come find them what i do is actually take the reply envelope and put it in and take the, the um, address label off of the envelope Put it back in the reply envelope with a note. Please take me off your solicitation list. Hmm. It, cost, it cost 50 cents for the stamp, right? But again, people say, well, why would the charity want to do that? 
why wouldn't they if they were smart? If, I, if I'm willing to take the time to say, I'm not interested in your charity, all they're doing is wasting money by sending stuff to me. Yeah. And, and it gets even harder, of course, when they send you address labels or something else, and then people feel the, the guilt of, of doing that. But, but again, that's the best way. That's why I say you can help charities without supporting them by just saying, take my name off your list. Yeah. They're spending the money, right? To Interesting. Get more money from you. And, and often, it's, it, you, just, you don't even open it, right? You just throw it away. But in reality, they will continue to send you those things, and it's more annoying and more annoying as you get them all. So take the, take the two minutes, take it out, send it back, and say, take me off your list. And it, and it will work. I mean, charities, again, they have no reason not to do that. Every once in a while, there will be a charity that maybe it isn't the best at, at donor relations or whatever, and they, they don't do it, but it's, it's solely of them not to. So most charities will go, okay, great. Another great example of that is uh, like memorials. You know, if you, if you see if, a, if someone that you know has passed away. Sure. Uh, so sometimes when I send a check, you know, you put it in a card to the family. So don't do this when you do that. But, but if you send the, the, the check directly to the, uh, the charity, just say right up front, please don't add me to your mailing list. You know, this is a, this is a one-off. They don't know that until you say that. So they very well may give it to their database people, put your name in, and then for the next 10 years, you get a donate, you get a solicitation that you are that you have no interest whatsoever in, in donating to. Does that make sense? It does. It, com- it makes complete sense. And I think, interestingly, um, most people don't probably consider charities as, f- from a business perspective. It's like, well, I give to this, you know, it, and I'm a sucker for mailing labels. So I, <laughs> I'm going to be really, I'll probably be really, uh, I'll regret that I said this later, but uh, I, I get those and I'm like, I love, I love these mailing labels. It makes my life so much easier. Why not give some money? Um, but I don't, I never put two and two together that it costs the, the firm money, the, the nonprofit money to keep me on the rolls, to continue to send things. You know, it's just not, not something I would thought of before. This is a business. I mean, there, there is the business of fundraising out there. How is business today, David? Are, are charities... Uh, you know, are their coffers filling up? Are people donating right now, or what are you finding? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting question, and of course, that when the, when the tax laws changed for the for the standard deduction, there was there was a lot of discussion that million maybe billions of dollars wouldn't go to charities because of that tax law change, and you can basically get your standard deduction now. You're, you're the finance guys at twenty six thousand or something before yeah, that you have to give to donate twelve. Before. 125 per person so a couple's 25,000 yep yeah, there you go so so people said well now people aren't going to give to charity on the flip side of that every research that's ever been been done actually, that's a that's a blanket statement I think, <laughs> most, most research whatever the researchers say that when they ask people why do you give to charity tax tax advantages is like eight or nine on the list so it's mm. just not that high up there. So you have the yeah. first thing when people are saying this is going to matter, but it doesn't matter. But then I can tell you in 2018, charitable giving in the U.S. was down. It was. So hmm. how, how do we know what affected that? Maybe part of it was just the clamor of the of people saying, oh, you're not going to, you know, the, you're not going to get your tax refund. It's different, whatever. Right. And maybe people hadn't considered it. And so maybe people will come back. Another thing that people have done that's not, um, that affects doesn't it affects yearly, but maybe not long term. Is what's called bunching gifts. 
Okay. I don't know about that strategy, but basically, <clears throat> again, if you're trying to get over that um, over that uh, threshold, um, you can you can say, well, we give five thousand dollars a year to this charity. So this year we're going to give fifteen thousand. The next two years we're not going to give anything. Hmm. So the, so the charity gets the same amount of money, but but you get the tax advantage for it. Sure, right? sure. The problem with that is if the charity says, "Oh, Adam Bunk is giving up to fifteen thousand dollars," and then they think they're going to expect that next year, right? Right. So, if you're going to do again, if you're totally conscientious donor and you're going to do that, it would be a great idea for the for the charity's sake to put a note in. Hey, mm. just wanted to let you know this is it's not a pledge. This is my money for the next three years. I'm still on board. Um, and and they can't question. I mean, they can question it, but they they shouldn't, right? So, but again, that's it. It's called bunching gifts, and it and it does make sense on the side of the donor. Right, hmm. but, but sometimes maybe for the for the charity it's not as good. Although, again, if you if you put a note in and they have their fifteen thousand dollars ahead of time, if they were smart, right, they put five thousand aside and then just bring it back in. Each right, year. right. Um, most charities are not, are not listening to your podcast and thinking this is <laughs> about money. So. But they are listening to you, David, and that's a good yeah. thing. They're listening I to don't you. Know about that. <laughs> I have a um, a question, kind of as it relates to planned giving. Um, we, you know, we're a I'm a big believer in life insurance and, and, you know, building long-term sustainable wealth for my family and generations to come. But I also believe that part of the, the, the legacy I want to leave is that when I leave this earth and, and, um, uh, and those life insurance proceeds kick in, I want to leave it somewhere with that too. Are you, are you better off saying, there is this one charity that I love and I want to put my mark there and that's where it's going to go or, or do you spread the wealth? What's your thought? I think in, for plan giving it, you can, you can probably feel better about spreading the wealth. Um, because again, it's, it's a one-time gift. They're not, they're not following up, not to 10 charities, right? Again, you've got your three to five support each of those. Right. Um, yep. so, that's that's what I would recommend. Is just stick with stick with your plan. Um, you know, you're, you're going to give some to your kids and and then some some to charity. Go with those three to five charities you already have. And there's no rules that say it has to be the same amount or whatever. You you can do with it obviously as you as you like. But I'd recommend staying with those those charities that you've already been supporting throughout your during your life. Yeah, that's great. So if I'm if I'm in the choosing uh, process here, am I contacting uh, nonprofits that I'd like to support and asking for their, for their mission statement. Am I asking about, uh, you know, their financials, what kind of metrics would you use or suggest people use to select the charities they're going to support? Yeah. Great, great place to start is of course the website just to get you, get your basics. Um, but what you said is actually going to, to the charity and seeing what they do um, um, makes, makes a huge, huge impact. Um, there's not a there's not a great metrics to say what's the right charity. It's really a gut thing. You know, we've a lot of charities now, or not a lot of charities. A lot of people have talked about overhead, right? I don't want to support overhead. Yes, that's over overhead is a myth, right? So because basically you have to have a building, you have to have staff 
to do all these great things that the money is doing. So you can't just do away with overhead. What, what I encourage charities to do now is think about the, the difference that the money is actually making and like divide that money up. So if you've got staff and there, you have an executive director and you've got four areas, let's say, that, you're, that you do for your charity, divide the executive director's compensation in four and just put that in each percentage. Hmm. The, the, if you want to make a fundraiser um, just bristle, <laughs> Start to mention overhead because that's just given charities a really a really bad name. Now, then you go to you know the United the, the United Way uh, CEO who's making you know ten million dollars. Like that might be overhead. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I tend I tend to like to support local charities because again you can go and visit, but there are certainly great charities that are national organizations and international organizations that are worth your support. Um, but get get behind them, not just your money. I talked about volunteering really early on. Make this make this part of your life. And, and I know you're big about teaching things to your children. My my children from age three on went to special events with me, so they mm. know that folks with in, with intellectual disabilities are people, just just like all the rest of us. And yep. that, I think that that's huge, right? I mean, my my children don't necessarily see the money that that my wife and I give away, but they know in our volunteering. That, that we believe in helping other people. You know, I love that um, for a number of reasons. And one of them being we've, we've uh, volunteered at the local food bank a number of times mm -hmm. and taken our kids up and, and, you know, it's, it's always eye opening for them. Um, but it also for us helps us see what good is being done in our local community. It's literally blocks away from our house. And uh, to know that that's not that far away and such good things are happening there. I couldn't agree more that going out and, and giving of your time can be just as rewarding, you know, to the nonprofit as to yourself when you go out and do it. Um, I encourage people to do that. What kind of resources can people look to, David, in terms of selecting charities or how much to donate or any of those kinds of things? Are there any other any websites or, or resources like that out there? I'm sure there are, Adam, and I. I but I honestly don't have any off the top of my head to, to give you. Um, I, I keep coming back. I said it before. It's really kind of a, a gut feeling. And, and um, back to local, you feel like if you take your check in to the local place that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get it all right. I mean, yep. when I send money to internationally or even nationally. Like what what happens to it? And I'm I'm I'm, I'm just like I said. I'm just more excited about local charity. We do support some international charities, but. Um, I'm not answering your question because I don't, I don't know, I don't have a good resource for that. I'm sure, again, just put in, uh, put, put something in the web, how to, how to select a charity and you'll get 4,000 choices. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. I love yeah. the idea though of local charities, starting with local first so that your, you know, your, your help really stays local. Um, what kind of books do you read, David, that got you into, into this? Or if someone's saying, Hey, I want to know more about philanthropic giving and, and how I can do this well. Do you have any book recommendations for people out there? Um, now I thought of some books, but they weren't, they weren't for philanthropy. Let's hear what you, let's hear what you came up with. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm just going to try and answer your question first. If I had a good philanthropy book, um, I, 
now I just I really don't have a great resource to say this is this is the book you should read. There are there are lots of and lots of books just like about anything that, that you can you can find to to learn about charity. Um, uh, it's such a heart thing. I mean, you can read different things from different people, but ultimately it comes down to you. So I think if you're not sure if you want to donate to a charity again, as we already talked about, volunteer first, learn what they do, and then you can you decide to support. Um, as far as the percentage, um, I, I work uh, for a church, and so we talk a lot about tithing. Yeah. Which uh, for, for those people who might not know, that's basically roughly defined as 10% of your income. We could have a whole nother half hour discussing whether that's pre or post tax, whether you're supposed to count your interest, all that kind of stuff. I don't even I don't even get into that. You have to you have to feel comfortable with the amount that you give. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, Adam, and you, and you you may know you and your wife may know this. You you give money away. Um, it's like you don't miss it. Um, I mean, and then you can can learn to give more. We talked again in the church about getting to the tithe, but even once you get to ten percent, you're like, oh can get by on 90 percent can i get by on 85 percent and and you can continue to make a difference um and we all can like i said there you go to any charity and and think then go home and think about your life and realize how um how lucky i don't know lucky is the right word but how how good our lives are maybe we talk about in the united states even that there are people that are certainly less fortunate or probably no no fault of their own right yeah and just maybe, the, maybe what they were born into and uh um i don't know i feel like i'm rambling a little bit <laughs> i love no but i love this topic of tithing and and there was a book i may have set you up for that a little bit but the the um book i was thinking of was there's one written by mark victor hansen and it's called the magic of tithing and it basically is all about the it's really more spiritual in sense uh, the book is but it's about the idea that givers get that that the more you send out into the the world to the universe or to to uh, you know godly things, the more you're going to get in return. And to give selflessly means that you will be rewarded selflessly as well. So um, I love the idea of you know start at ten percent or start at five percent if you think it's too much, and then realize that it probably is easier to to live on ninety five or ninety or eighty five percent of your income than you previously thought. Um, the question that I think you were about to answer though, was what are the books that have changed you or, or made a difference in your life? What, what would you list on that? Yeah. On that list. Uh, so I went, I went really old school on you. Um, Ooh, I and, like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've heard someone else, at least one other person mentioned this on your podcast, uh, certainly the Bible, um, the followings of Jesus. Uh, I just, I just love all of that stuff. Another, another one that's not quite as old, but almost uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Very nice. I was a public relations major in college at Iowa State, and uh, it's, it's all about networking. You mentioned networking a lot, and, and, uh, and I, I thought about the title as I was thinking about it, and I'm like, influence people, that almost sounds negative in this day and age, but the, the, the sense of what he says is absolutely right. You know, look, learn about people. Yeah. Um, I have a quote, um, actually, that kind of ties in with that, and I'm going to read it so I say it right. Uh, George Washington Carver, uh, it's an Iowa State alum, right, says, uh, how far you go in life depends on your being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant with the weak and strong, because someday in your life, you will have lived all of them. Wow. 
I love that. That right? is cool. Okay, back back to books. Um, this one, I don't know that anybody has ever heard of it other than I have it on my shelf. It's called Time Management by Richard Winwood. This book was written in 1990 when the Franklin Day Planner system first came out. Yeah. And I, I bought, I've got a day planner. One of the guys I worked with had one, read this book, and it talks about things we're still talking about today, obviously, value, goals, and breaking down your goals into achievable things. And I... It's a book that I still have on my shelf, even though it's really old. <laughs> so those three, um, then something that I read um, more recently that was just just fascinating to read is a book called Smarter, Faster, Better. I've heard um, of this. Charles, I think it's Duhigg. I don't know how exactly how to say yeah. it. The subtitle is Being Productive in Life and Business. And that was just, it, it talks about some, some thinking things that I hadn't necessarily thought about. I'm currently reading uh, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um, about halfway through that, and that's it, just fascinating as well. So yeah, that whole idea of that was five. That whole idea of vulnerability that she writes about that's, is scary sometimes, but uh, it, that's interesting you say that because when I first read it, I was like, okay, so now I just got to go spill my guts to everybody, right? Because I just got to be bold. Like, no, that's actually not what it says. It says be vulnerable with the people that you can trust. Yes, right? yes. Which I think is an interesting distinction. So you build that trust with people, and then you can then you can bear your soul and say, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking about, or whatever." And, and uh, so you're not going to do that, you know, with everybody. But uh, yeah. So if you were keeping track, there, listeners, that was the Bible. It was fifth. I'm sorry, I almost <laughs> I almost said my joke. Uh, how to win friends and influence people. My joke, my running joke on this, David, is that uh, I bring up how to win friends and influence people all the time in my seminars, and I say. It's the second best-selling book of all time, next to what? And people always say the Bible, and I say Fifty Shades of Grey. But then I say, no, 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 the it's the Bible, and then How to Win Friends, and then Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, so we had those two. We had the third one was Time Management by Winwood. Is that yep. right? Yep. And then um, Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg, who also wrote The Power of Habit which is a really good book, often recommended on the show. And then last but not least is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Right. I get them all? Yep. Love it. I love it. Um, David, you're doing good work. And I found this to be really interesting, the, the content we talked about today. Um, I think what I'm going to do, have a discussion with my wife about the three to five charities tonight that we really want to be a part <laughs> of. Um, and I'll tell you, I have to brag on my daughter a little bit. <clears throat> the very first check that she ever wrote was to Compassion International to sponsor a, a child in a third yeah. world country. And she's done it ever since. She's, she's adamant that the, the money go to this little girl and she sends her letters and birthday presents and those kinds of things. But it's really amazing and, and heartening to watch your children become givers as well. And I think if you're going to build a bigger life, there's no bigger life you could build than to have your kids be, you know, be charitable and, and philanthropic. Um, Keep up the great work, man. Thanks. And if people want more of you, David, how do they find you? Well, um, I, I have just a very basic website. It's just spiritedgiving.org. And it's, it's really just a, a one-page website that kind of says what I do for nonprofits. But it does have a way to contact me there. Um, I, haven't, I haven't discovered, and maybe this is, this is off pod, but um, a way to make money doing what you and I are just talking about right now. That is the thoughtful charitable giving thing, whether it's speaking or whatever. And, yeah. and uh, I'm not certain that I want, want 
want to do that, but I have considered that. So if somebody had some suggestions about that, I'd be I'd be happy to hear them. But yeah, uh, just spiritedgiving.org. David Orth at spiritedgiving.org. I, I greatly appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you for for connecting with me at an event and, and uh, making the time today. You bet. Thanks for tuning in to the show. Every one of my interviewees has certain things in common, which I've summarized in the blueprint available at buildabiggerlife.com. It contains the nine core tenets extracted from each of the past interviews and will get you started building your own version of a bigger life. If you liked what you heard on the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.